Hello and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Today's guest is Jewel Olympian, Commonwealth Games gold medalist and all-round nice guy, Neil Rogers. There you go, Bob. Hi, Neil. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. Where are you coming to us from today? I live in Bondi, uh, not far from the beach. Um, and I've been here. I just had a, a back operation about three weeks ago, um, maybe not swimming related. I had canal stenosis, which my um, my L4, L5, all the way down, it was getting compressed with some nerve damage. And I had it fixed and I'm sort of recovering now on a, on a good way. So I'm looking forward to having a better quality of life than I had about three or four months ago. But the doctor said he was very successful. So I'm on the mend. Oh, that's awesome. Is that... Was, was that a swimming-related injury or just...? It may have been. It may have been. Um, yeah. As you know, I did I did quite a bit of butterfly. and yeah. um, But he said it also could have been carrying a couple of extra kilos and maybe old age. But um, yeah. I'm happy that I get a, I'm going to have a good quality of life. And the, the doctors and the neurosurgeon was very happy with what happened. Well, that's good. That's really good. I've actually never been busier than what I've, or I've been at the moment. I'm teaching... Uh, I'm teaching coaching in, in, in a number of places and uh, I want to make sure that, that I can continue to do what I'm doing because I just love it so much. Yeah. Well, actually, that's where I was going to start talking to you just before we talk about your swimming background, your coaching that you're doing at the moment. I know you coach at um, Bondi Icebergs. Is yes. that the um, the main place that you, you coach at the moment? or It is. You know? It is. And uh, I also, uh, when COVID started, you know, um, I already was was teaching up at, um, if you know Sydney or Vaucluse, um, uh, Mark Moran Vaucluse is, is an aged care facility of the highest highest order, and they have a twenty five metre pool there. Okay. And Mark asked me um, to to coach some of the residents there that live there, and uh, I've got a little squad of I've got I've got a ninety year old. I've got Greta Moran, who is, is a very well known lady in healthcare. And she just got given an, an, an OA for services to the to to um to the community, and uh, she, she does about three kilometres a week with me, oh, and awesome. uh, she's just turning ninety now. So oh. I've got four year olds and I've got ninety year olds. So uh, <laughs> that's in a heated pool, of course, but it's very satisfying, and, and uh, I really really enjoy getting. I'm looking forward to getting back into it when I resume my normal activities next week. Yeah, how often are you coaching at the icebergs? I coach there nearly every day. I do. Um, I used to. Um, I started off there. We go year round. Yep. So um, we 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 go uh, we go fifty two weeks a year. Now the iceberg is an eight lane fifty meter tidal pool, right? It's right. If you I don't know if you you know Sydney very well, but it, it's at the it's at the south end of Bondi. Magnificent place. It's just eye dropping every time you go there. Uh, the pictures don't actually do it justice. You got to be there. Saltwater pool. It's cleaned once a week. And um, I do my squads out there, mainly adult squads. And I do a junior squad a couple of mornings a week of 8 to 12-year-olds. So my adult squad mainly do ocean swims. Right. And um, guys like Guy Farrow, who you, I know you know, and I had Simon Nothling, who won the uh, the, the, uh, the South Head and North Bond to, to Watson's Bay Swim on the weekend. Um, I've got some very good masters swimmers there that do a, the ocean swim, as you know, is a whole new circuit. Yep. And they go, you know, they, there's usually an event on every weekend. And a lot of my squad just embrace it and we, we swim year-round. Um, wetsuits they might wear for a cup. Half the squad might use wetsuits for 
three or four months of the year, but normally we swim all year round. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Tell, tell me this. I'm intrigued. How do they empty? How do they empty that pool once a week to clean it? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I used to manage the pool, so I can tell you exactly what they do. On a Wednesday, the pool's normally shut on Thursdays for maintenance and cleaning every week. Yep. And it depends on the tide. But my, you know, tides can vary, obviously. Every six hours they change, seven hours. Um, and they flush it out with the weed and they have a couple of exit um, um, areas there at the end of the pool where they, they actually sweep the weed away. Weed's the biggest polymer, a bit of moss. Then they clean it and give it a good scrub and usually they might then they've got the facility to to sort of half flush it and half do it while the pool's open but it does get very busy in the hot months um but uh, it's not it's not filtered or anything like that yeah it's just ocean water all the time so whatever's outside comes inside right okay let's yeah. yeah i i had a we came up a little squad of um friends of mine we came up and did the bondi de bronte swim not last year the wonderful year yep yeah yep. that's an iconic swim oh it was beautiful it was just stunning yeah. and we had a swim at icebergs and they were telling us that they close it once a week for cleaning and i was yes. intrigued yeah. to know how they got rid of the water so <laughs> no. there's a couple of real big plugs but yeah. no it works okay and it, it's a unique setting and it's, it's taken a while to to get it right but the the staff there and the lifeguards are great yeah. and um you know, so you know it works. And and what what's happened with, with, when COVID was on? I mean, and I'll speak about this if you want. I mean, a lot of people now are swimming out in the ocean. I mean, more so than you know, we're not we're an ocean pool, but people might swim in the pool if it's not a good day. They'll jump off the off the uh, off off the ledge there, or they'll swim across. So that's one of the great things that COVID did. It just gave people some wild swimming areas to go in. And people do the Bondi to Bronte. We do. Uh, I, used to, I, I, I put a race on when I can from Coogee to North Bondi, the five beaches swim. Um, there was a Watson's Bay swim from North Bondi to Watson's Bay last weekend. I mean, people are just embracing this ultra-distance swimming and it's uh, it's just taken off. Yeah. How, how far does your, your adult squad or your master squad, how far do you swim in a session? We have, we have, uh, we have four lanes. Half the pool in the morning at six o'clock. Um, the good lane, the good lanes, one, two, we do a double lane. They do about three to three and a half kilometres, and the others do about two and a half to three. Yep. And kilometers what, kind of, what kind of sets do you give them to do? Okay. Um, I'll give you the set for last Friday if you like. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Simon Nothing, who ended up winning the uh, winning the uh, the ocean swim on the weekend, we did. Uh, we warmed up with 10.50s on 50, mm -hmm. second push-off, just yep. to warm up. This is the better lane. The slower lane did 10.50s on 60 seconds. Yep. We try to not breathe in the flagged areas, the first four strokes or the last four strokes, just yep. to warm up. Uh, then the boys went, the good lane went four 400s, right, on, on six minute 30 send-off, and they had to make the fourth one their best. Right. Okay, so we try to descend, and the, the the next two lanes did three three four hundreds on seven minutes. Again, trying to make the last one your best. Simon, who ended up winning the race, he went uh, he went about five fifteen five ten five five four fifty five. Right, right. This is in a salted pool in the morning. So he was and he beat the elite on the weekend. So good setting. He's forty one, forty two years of age. So yep. that, that and he leads the lane, but I've got Guy Farrow, as you know, is a world masters champion. 
um, guy, guy would be there. That they'd go one two in the lane. Yep. So then they did. Ten, then they finished up with eight one hundreds on the one thirty cycle. Yep. Um, just to sort of that was his bring home set to make sure he felt pretty good, and that sort of topped him off for the swim on Sunday, which he had very successfully, which was you know he won. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So they do that. That's on three times a week. It's on Tuesday, Fridays, and Saturdays. So it uh, gives them a bit of a break. But most of these guys swim independently on their own anyway. They might do a surf session or they might go and do a little swim on their own somewhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a whole – it's a wonderful group of people. Yeah. And what's the water temperature there at the moment? It's about 19, 18, 19. Oh. It's beautiful weather in Sydney at the moment. It's stunning. Yeah. I mean, this time of year, we usually find in Sydney that the ocean is about two or three months behind what so you know the water's good till about July August. Yeah. Then we get cold for a little bit cold in September October might get down to about sixteen, but not not much colder than that. I know Melbourne gets a lot cooler. Than that. <laughs> it does get a lot cooler. <laughs> when we were in lockdown last year, we were swimming down in the um, Port Phillip Bay just at Mentime. Mm-hmm. Quite a yep. few um, open water swimmers that swim down there, and we were down to nine degrees. It was cold. It was cold. (laughs) That is friendly. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, quite brisk. (laughs) Do you wear wetsuits down there? Ah, yes, we do. And uh, neoprene caps, gloves, boots, everything, because it's freezing. Yeah. Once you get going, it's fine, but that face freeze is hard to deal with. Yeah. How many have you got doing that? Oh, in lockdown last year, well, well, we were only allowed to exercise with one buddy. But I understand. We were with one buddy, but a group of 10 maybe, but spread apart, socially distant. (laughs) Wonderful. That's great. (laughs) So, yeah, it it, it actually skyrocketed down here too. So many people got into swimming um, in the bay over that time that hadn't sort of done it before. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's an advantage of COVID, I suppose, if we can look for the positives. Yep. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about how you got started in swimming. Let's go, like, wind back before you're coaching. How did you get started? Okay. I'm the youngest of three brothers. Yep. Um, my elder brother, Greg, uh, got a silver and a bronze in the relays in Mexico City right. in 1968. Yep. And my late brother, Ronnie, he was Australian surf belt champion. Right. So we were all swimmers. Um, Dad was the president of the local surf club at Clow Valley, where I grew up. And there's an iconic gentleman down there, lovely, lovely man, a fellow called Tom Caddy, yep. who used to get an old inner tyre from a, from, from, from a car tyre and use that as our floaty. Right. And um, I was always trying to, as you are when you're the youngest, you try to catch up to your brothers. <laughs> and um, so I used to sit on the side and jump in anyway. And so I think I was three, Mum said, and, I was swimming by the time I was three up and down Clow Valley Bay. So Google Clow Valley, have a look at it. It's sort of like an inlet sort of breakwater and it's got like a, a big sort of walls on both sides and it's about 600 metres long and um, the ocean water comes in. It's a very safe place for swimming but it's produced a lot of swimmers over the years, a lot of famous swimmers trained down there. John Curry, famous, a famous um, swimmer, Cyril Baldock, all ocean swimmers swam down there. Um, they've had a lot, lot of... Uh, uh, all because of Tom Caddy, John Donahue, who taught me how to surf. So basically I started surfing and swimming down there until um, I was about nine or ten. Yeah. And I was winning a couple of couple of school carnivals and local stuff, 
you know, style was pretty rough around the edges because I was swimming in the ocean. Anyway, um, there was a, a famous swimmer, John Conrad, who just sadly just recently passed away. He was coaching up at a pool in Wallara in Sydney, which is a, a very, very uh, exclusive suburb in Sydney. It was a 25-metre pool that built there by a fellow called Seth Prosser, who was a coach. Anyway, he, uh, John was up there and mum said to me, uh, well, let's go up there and swim with him because you need to, you know, you need to do a bit more formal stuff than what you're doing in a beach pool. So I went up there when I was about 10 and um, trained pretty good and, and, and improved. I think I got third in a, a state 50-metre title when I was about 10 or 11, swimming about 30 for a 50. So I was up there in the mix and mum said, look, it's not fair, son. You're the smallest on the, uh, in, in the field. I was only little. Anyway, so then uh, I trained with John for a couple of years and I think I would have been about 12 and John moved to France to pursue other interests. And he said to Dad, we lived in Coogee, which is, you know, a beachside suburb um, in the eastern suburbs. And he said, look, if you got my dad, he said to my dad, he said, look, if you want the boys, and my brothers started to swim with me as well, to improve, you've got to go to a proper coach. You know, another, another, another go on, and he introduced us to Don Talbot. Right now, Don Talbot was out of Auburn, and um, there were two main coaches in those days. Don Talbot coached most of the men, and Forbes Carlisle coached most of the women. And New South Wales and Sydney probably had 80 percent, 90 percent of most of the teams. Anyway, can you hear me okay? Yep, absolutely. Yep, um, anyway, so um. Long story short, I, I, I was going to Ramick Boys High at the time and I um, Graham Windiot and Brad Cooper and um, Greg Bruff and my, my brother Greg Rogers and, um, t- you know, it was a pretty strong, pretty strong, um, pr- 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 pretty strong squad at those times. Anyway, um, when I was in year 12, I, um, I, um, we had our nationals at Dremoyne and I was doing a bit of Bit of, bit of everything, freestyle and mainly butterfly. Anyway, um, we had our nationals on. The nationals were on three days then, and um, I was sixteen in year twelve in nineteen seventy. And on the first night, I won the I won the two hundred backstroke from lane one in the nationals. Oh wow! <laughs> and um, then on lane the next night, I won the hundred back. Wow! Right, and then on night three. I won the hundred fly, amazing, and at the national. So I got picked the Commonwealth Games team. I was in year twelve. Yep, and then I got third in the two hundred back in Edinburgh. Oh, awesome! Right, and yeah. then I, then I said, well, you know, then I, um, I wanted to make the Olympic team, obviously, which is every person's dream. Yep, and uh, that was for nineteen seventy two. Yeah. And meanwhile, I mean, the only reason I started swimming was to become a better surf swimmer. You know, I love swimming in the surf and surf club stuff. Yep. And um, I still kept doing that, right? I still kept going and surf carvels on the weekend. And then coaches frowned upon that. Yes. They thought, it, you know, didn't like your technique the way it was going. And usually they clashed with swim meets. So um, then, night, then we went on a tour with... Um, because swimming was a rock front page of everything. There's Shane held every world freestyle record. Yeah. Shane Gould. And we went on a tour through Europe. Yeah. And um, that was the year before the Olympics. And that um, 
it was just incredible. You know, the, the press that were following Shane, it was like Ian Thorpe of today, you know, she was just amazing. And then next year, we got, I got chosen for the Olympic team. I won the 100 fly. And I think I got fourth in the in the hundred free, right? So I was I was in the four by one hundred freestyle relay team, right? Um, I went to Munich, yep. And we had a training camp up at St <gasps> Peter's Bernadette College at uh, Southport, yes. And Don Talbot was the coach with Ursula Carlo. okay. And the two of them coached, and uh, Montreal went on, as you know. And I, I just thought, you know, yeah, I just wanted to go to the Olympics. Who doesn't? I mean, you know, it was great. Yeah. I was doing year 12 at the same time and the teachers gave me homework to do. It's just everyone just went, you know, out of their way. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, that's the, the year 12. I'm sorry. I was, I was out of school by then. Year 10, that was when I went to Commonwealth Games. They gave me the homework. So made the Olympic team, training up there in Queensland, and we were billeted with families. Okay. Lovely people. The not all swimming community, you know, they take you in because there's no money in the sport then, nothing. No. Right. So you'd stay with a local swimming family, you walk to the pool or they drive you, they pick you up, you go home, you sleep. That went on for about six weeks. Right. right. Um, and there were, we had a great team. I mean, look what happened. Shane won three gold medals. Yeah. Um, Brad Cooper won the 400 meter men's, men's freestyle. Yeah. Uh, he got the gold after Rick DeMont got DQ'd. Um, Gail Neal won the 400 metres medley, women's, yeah. and Beverly Whitfield won the uh, 200 metre breaststroke. Right. I mean, just the fantastic games. I made the Olympic butterfly final right. in lane eight. Yes. I swam against Mark Spitz, who was in lane four. Right. He was going for his uh, seventh gold medal at the time, and I um, I was just happy to be there. It was a great, a good, great night, and, and then... Then as soon as the swimming happened, um, sadly, the Bader Meinhof and the terrorism hit 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 uh, hit hit Munich and, and and world sport for the first time. So that was at the time just surreal what yeah. happened. So how did and, that affect, uh, when, how did that affect you and the um, other people in the swimming team? Well, then there was no security at all. I mean, you had a tracksuit, you just walked in the Valencian wave and said hi. Yeah. You know, there was nothing at all. That yeah. was just the way it was. That was how innocent sport was. Yes. And um, the swimming, as is always in the Olympics, is in the first first week. Yeah. So that didn't happen. The incident with it with Israelis and Bartomeinoff didn't happen until till after the swimming was over. Right. So the um, then the game stopped for a day when that all happened because we were in the we're all sitting in, in like university style housing dormitories, you know, yep. six to a room, just fun and. It happened, the Israelis were in the building next door. We just heard banging and firing. You know, I'd never heard a gunshot before in my life. We yeah. just thought we were firecrackers. Then we found out what had happened. Right. And um, Avery Brundage was the president of the um, IOC at the time. And we had an athlete, all the athletes gathered in the stadium. Never forget this. And he asked the athletes, just by a show of emotion and hands, you know, that the games will continue. Everything and calling them off, and it did, and and then you know the rest is history, really. Um, but I don't know what it would have been like to have to compete after that incident. Yeah. I think that would have been, you know, rather dubious whether you know or I don't know how not dubious, but you know it would have been very hard to sort of focus on what had happened because of what was so. 
then um, then that changed the face of sport. And we came back successful as a swim team. And then um, I got a scholarship. If you want me to talk about my nice swimming, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I got a scholarship to go to uh, university in the USA. Yeah, because there was no AIS then. If you if you didn't swim, if you went to eighteen, which I was at the time, you either, you know, you couldn't just get stay anywhere in Australia. There was nothing to compete for. Yeah, you know, hard to, to. And I always wanted to go to the college in the US when I and I did. I went to a fantastic place, and that was when I actually learned how to swim. Right. Racing in college. I was already in Olympic final, so I was, you know, the top six or eight in the world. Yeah. But I really learned how to swim, learn how to start, learn how to dive, learn how to turn, learn how to, you know, compete on, on, on a really high level in the NCAA, which is huge. Yeah. And I think um, that co- that sort of competition made me, made me a better swimmer. What so I stayed there for two or three years, yep. And I came back in for the Commonwealth Games in 1974 in Christchurch. Yeah. Dad was able to support me then. You know, he, he, was, he was pretty successful. And guess what? He loved me swimming and my, my brother had retired by then. So um, that was in Christchurch. And the fellow who got second to Mark Spitz in Munich was the favourite to win the gold medal, Bruce Robinson. Right. Anyway, um, and the fellow who won the previous Commonwealth Games I was in in 1970 was also from Canada. So it had these two Canadians and, and I, was in lane, uh, I was in lane three for the final. Anyway, this is such a weird story, I don't even know, but I have to tell you. <laughs> Please tell um, <laughs> Lycra costume just came out at the time. Right. You know, Lycra, we used to use the old speed. So, so you got given half a dozen pairs. So they'd introduce you one, lane by one by one by one. Anyway, I was in lane three and I had my top on and I, I, got, I, stood, I stood up, introduced my, you know, they introduce you and you get down. And I went to do my costumes up and my cord broke. Oh, no. <laughs> I said a bit more than that. Anyway, um, I went to the referee and I told him, he said, Neil, go and change, come back. So I knew I was okay, right? Yep. They introduced the other five swimmers. And the, the swimmers are waiting there, like, would have felt like ten, an hour. You know, I took about two minutes. I go to the change room and say, what's going on? So, <laughs> you know, costumes. So I come back. Anyway, long story short, uh, off we go. Uh, I win the race by about 0.4. I beat the defending world champion and the guy who got second to spits in Montreal, in, in Munich, and I got the gold. Yep. So... I, the story got. I said, "What happened at the start?" They thought I would. I purposely did it. Well, you don't purposely do it. You don't do anything like that. <laughs> so that was that. Then I went back to uh, the states and swam yeah. with my coach um, Jack Pettinger at the University of Wisconsin. Um, then I went to the world titles the following year in Belgrade, where I finaled. And my big goal was Montreal. Yep. Right, and um, we had Steve Holland on on the team. Great fifteen hundred meter swimmer, and most I'd been in in the states most of that time. You know, I was training over there. I won a US nationals in a relay with some dear friends of mine, which are still friends today. And um, then in nineteen seventy six, we had the Olympic trials on, and I went fifty five point four seconds for the hundred butterfly, which was the fastest time in the world at the time. Right, and that was in February. Okay. Of 76. Yeah. So 
I wanted to go back and train in America, right, with my coach. Yes. Um, I was training here in Sydney, but not with the same level of competition. Yep. And the, they didn't want me to go back. I said, no, you've got to stay here and train. We went to a training camp in Perth right. for three months. Wow. So I didn't actually race till from the in a formal meet from Olympic trials in in, in, in February till yep. the Olympic heats in August in Montreal. Right. So I get to Montreal and I've got about the third or fourth fastest seed time going in. Not far off mine, we're all pretty close together. And we had heats and semi-finals, and I have a bad heat. I qualify 15th out of 16. Ooh. Just make the semi-finals. Yep. Anyway, so not very happy with myself. And semi-final comes on, I get second in the semi. So I'm in lane two. Right. Right. I'm in the mix. But I, I missed my taper and I and I didn't have a good good swim, but Look, I made the Olympic final twice, consecutive games. Pretty happy with that. And winning a Commonwealth goal in the middle. Yes. So I left there a little bit disappointed, but, you know, felt that I'd given it every shot I had. Yeah. And I sort of came back and I started doing it. I managed the pool for a while and, you know, kept doing a little bit of swimming, did a bit of surf stuff. I won the Australian surf belt title that year. Um but then I, I thought I was, I think I was 24, 25, and uh, I got married, and, and uh, so I didn't compete anymore. But then I got back into coaching uh, with John Rogers, no relation, right. um, who was now a national distance coach, uh, yep. when he had the Cranbrook pool in the early 90s. And I worked for John, and then he moved to Queensland. I took the pool over in the mid-90s from him and coached there and had a very good age group team. And um, then I coached the Ascom Girls team, which is a good school in Sydney. And then I sort of got out of that level of coaching where you go to meets for the whole weekend and go to nationals and coached some master's swimmers. Did right. a bit of potted around a bit of master swimming myself and find myself where I am today. Yeah. Coaching the Bondi Icebergs, one of the greatest spots in Sydney. Yeah. So that's my career in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> So just, just back to those two Olympic finals. So mm-hmm. um, in 72, where did you end up placing? Was that was that your first Eighth, in lane eight. eight. Yep. Lane. I, must tell you, I must tell you a funny story about that. It's not a okay. funny story. It's a true yeah. story. Um, Spitz, Mark Spitz was going for his seventh goal, right, making history, and he was just like, you know, the bee's knees, obviously. And they put you in a little room and there's eight chairs, obviously, you know, the lane eight's at the end and lane one's at the other end. Imagine a 50-metre pool. Yep. Right, and we're on the, the the lane eight side in a little room. You come out of this little room, right? So you walk down to the fifty meter end, and then I had to walk across to lane one, then down to the other end, right. and way across to lane eight. And I'm leading the, the other seven swimmers, <laughs> right? It was like a it was like a walk of shame. I said, "Oh my god, my heart rate must have been three hundred, give or take a beat," you know. By the time I got on the blocks, I was 18. I thought, oh, Jesus, what's going to happen here? I took it out. I think I was about second at the 50. Anyway, I collapsed. But I was happy to be in the final and uh, I didn't die wondering. But that I, I probably remember that swim more than any other swim I've ever done. Really? I mean, it was, it was, it was quite great. But, uh, you know, I was happy, 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 happy to be in the mix there, Danielle. Yeah. And what about 76? Where did you where did Well, you I told you, I was a bit just, I, I missed my taper. Yep. Right? I qualified yep. in, in, in uh, lane two and 
I think I swam about 56 in the final. I finished eighth again. So two Olympic finals, one from lane eighth, I finished eighth. One from lane two, I finished eighth. Right. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. And did you, you, did you swim the medley relays as well? We got fifth in the medley relay with uh, Mark Kerry, uh, Peter Coglin, Paul Jarvie and myself. Right. So my best effort in the Olympics is fifth. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Well, and uh, then I think they started, that was the only, and I mean, Steve Holland got third in the 1500 uh, in Montreal. And then it was the only Olympics Australia had never won a gold medal in. Yeah, that's right. But the silver lining out of that was that gone were the days where we just had a physical advantage being in a great climate and having great conditions, having great athletes. Sports started to get pretty serious. Yeah. Bit more than pretty serious, really serious with, you know, performance camps and performance athletes and chemists getting involved, whatever. And then the AIS started out of that. Yes. And then we became a, a serious uh, swimming nation trying to compete. We, we were able to compete with the rest of the world. Yeah. And that's what the AIS did. They had, I think, Gianni Tereski was out here coaching then, yeah. Popov's coach, with the famous Russian coach. He was later on, but we had some great, great people come out of the AIS, which developed the means that you hadn't didn't have to go to America to, to swim. Yeah. A lot of people couldn't afford to do it. I could, my family could. But I mean, the experience and the friendships that I had out of that, I, I couldn't put a price on. But um, I still got them today, which I'm even wearing my Wisconsin shirt at the moment. Yeah. And I, when I go, and uh, I've just built a new pool in Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm one of the honorees that have a lane named after me over there. So I'm delighted. That's lovely. Mm. <laughs> did um, when you were swimming the NCAA's? Did um, Wisconsin win the uh, championship? Or no, the oh. good, the good side then was Indiana, coached by Doc Councilman. Oh, Doc Councilman. So up again. Yeah, but um, the NCAA meet is just just incredible. It's like the Olympics, you know, every year. Yeah, it's that strong, and the, and the, and uh, you know, we had a lot of a lot of Australians over there at the time. Graham Windy was at Tennessee. And um, they used to come in with Davy Crockett hats on. I mean, it was fantastic, you know, put in their little magic bit. Of, they used to bring a little container of water with their magic water. I mean, it was fantastic. It was just great. Yeah. Great, you know, just competing over there and being a part of it. But that all sort of fell apart a little bit when, um, when because uh, there weren't any, it wasn't any women's NCAA teams then. And then that right. all changed and a lot of scholarships fell apart and very few Australians go over there now. But, I mean, a, a swimmer's career was really over there at 21, 22. There weren't any 25 or 27-year-old swimmers, yep. which now is probably the norm because I know as a coach and as a human being, and probably you do too, you don't peak at 20, 21, 22. You no. peak at 25, 27, 28, 29. Yeah. When you've got your core strength and you've got your, your, your body in where you, want to, where you want it to be and you've got much, much, more, much, much more acumen about what it takes to be an elite athlete. Yes, and um, I mean, I envy the people today that you know are, are just the training today with with what they have. I mean, they're very very skillful. I've seen you know Bronnie Campbell. She swims down the iceberg sometimes because she lives in North Bondi, you know, and I watch what they do with their drills and their and their and their preparation in and out of the water. I mean, Kyle Chalmers came down and swam down there, and, and David McKeon. I mean, these guys just make it look so easy, and I just go, oh my god, you know. So, um, we got exciting times in Australian swimming, and I'm just part of part of what I do. I, I just love what, what I'm doing, and I had a chance to because basically my whole life's been revolved around swimming. 
Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a great thing to be around. There's no, no doubt about it. And your mm. own, your own master's career, because obviously you took a few years out of the water. Um, yep. Tell me about competing in, um, in Montreal at the FINA World Masters. Yeah, I was there, but I, I, I started swimming masters, I think, I won the FINA, FINA Masters in Brisbane. I won the fly, 100 fly, 50 and 100 fly and the 50 back. Oh, okay. Right. Yep. So I've had a lot of history in Masters. Yep. Um, so I go back to that, that age group when I first started doing a bit and I was in better shape. And then uh, I think in Sydney we had the World Masters Games in 2009. Right. Yep. And I won the uh, the over fifty fly over fifty fives fifty fly in twenty eight point eight. Wow. <laughs> so I was I, I then then um, then I went to Montreal and um, then I started getting my back problems, which I oh. has evolved to today. But the, I went I mainly went to Montreal to, to have a holiday and see some of my old mates and go back to Montreal again. Yeah. But uh, but master swimming is great. I mean, it's so competitive. It um, it's so it's so strong, and I mean, you, you know, I, I went to the Masters meet in Riccioni in Italy, and there were like six warm up pools. Yes. I mean, it was just crazy, you know, and the standard was just incredible. Yeah. So, um, and I, it's great because that's just what swimming is. Swimming so good, you can do it from the time I'm coaching four year olds and ninety year olds. I mean, yeah. there's a ninety year old swimming thirty eight for a fifty or something, something crazy. Amazing. I mean. It's a, it is amazing, and it gives you well. What a wonderful thing swimming is, Daniel. I mean, it's a low impact sport. Yep, it has very few injuries, yep. right? Unless you, unless you're doing a, a, a lot of a lot of drills and a lot of weights and, and things. And I mean, it's uh, the camaraderie. I mean, the, the friendships and swimming. And I was lucky to to be influenced by Murray Rose. Yeah, and Murray and I became quite close in the last few years, sadly before his passing. And he said to me. And, he, and we were involved in a swim that he puts on for the Rainbow Club, uh, which teaches disabled children how to swim. And he said, look, Neil, great thing about swimming is it's a, it's a gentle sport. It's not a contact sport, you know, and 99.99999% of people who swim are lovely people. You get a rapport with them. They understand what you've done. Um, they, they like they, you've got a camaraderie, whether they're elite swimmers or swimmers that just swim for handicap relays or stuff like that it's just a wonderful camaraderie and swimming people are very lucky that they have that generations you know grand i'm now a grandfather i've got five beautiful grandchildren i can swim with them hopefully it'll keep me younger you know the in the, the thrill that you get out of teaching someone to swim is what's keeping me going you know i have a lot of adults come to me that for some reason, didn't learn how to swim, or Europeans that live in Sydney, or um, you know, didn't have facilities. And teaching people to swim is very, very satisfying. So I'm enjoying that. I can't tell you how much it is. You know, I get notes. The people learning, teaching someone a skill is is. I'm grateful I can do it, and they enjoy me doing it. Yeah. Oh, well, I can tell that your passion for it is big. It comes through in everything you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've had it. I look back on swimming and couple of little personal disappointments there but i can't be disappointed i'm pretty happy yeah so i always ask everyone that comes on the podcast what their favorite all-time swimming set is that you did it can be since you started masters or it can be back in the day but what what was your sort of go no, back back in the day back in the i had a set that i used to do yep yep i had and, and i was 
I won. I was like I won five national hundred meter butterfly titles, and I think this was the set that that I liked the most. Yeah. The the the, the quality set was. I after I'd done normal, I'd go eight fifties on the minute push. Yes. Butterfly. Yep. And I have to keep everyone under thirty. That's very good. If I did that, if I did that, I knew I was on the mark. Yeah. <laughs> if I did that, I knew I was on the mark. And I think the good guys do that asleep today. But in in my day, I was happy to do that. I knew if I was going eight fifties on the minute push off. Yep. Um, I was swimming fifty five for hundred fly then, and fifty two and a half for hundred free. Yeah. I mean, the only two events I did, and the nationals were over three nights. They had both events on the same night. Oh no! So if, if you if you fit for butterfly, you fit for everything. I agree. Yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> and I, I got stressed out to turn to butterfly a couple of times, and I, I realised it was not my cup of tea. Yeah. You know, the difference between a, and there was no, as you know, there were no fifties in those days. Would have might have might have it might have been a whole different ball game, but there were no fifty meter swims. Not even in not even in freestyle. So fifties only came in, you know, in the vogue, which is great because it keeps people swimming longer, you know. And I, who doesn't love somebody watching someone swim fast? Yes. I mean, it's it's great. I mean, the girls are going 20, 23, and the men are going twenty. I mean, if we're fifty meter freestyle, it's just blink you miss it. It's like a hundred meter dash on on the track. Yeah. So um, it, it's pretty exciting stuff. And swimming swimming needs to to probably. Not real, not real happy on the way Fiennes handled things as far as running the sport, but um, I think swimming, you know, it's a hard sport at the elite level. But you haven't, you know, the elite level is completely different. That's not probably what most people are, are, are going to find themselves in. But they're going to find themselves in a sport that is very satisfying, uh, very healthy, and very rewarding. I agree. Yeah, and. Um you got any predictions for the upcoming Olympics if they go ahead? I'm pretty confident they'll go ahead. I yeah. think um, I think that they will go ahead. I think Australia has a huge advantage um, because Japan's nearly on our time zone. Yes. Yeah. You know, we went to Rio, and it's you know you you, you don't understand as an athlete, it's so bizarre. It takes you three or four months to get ready to to go to a time zone. Yeah. So extreme, and also. We've been coached. We we probably dodged a bullet with compared to the rest of the countries with COVID. Yeah, you know I think our athletes haven't missed too much, and our, our women especially are going to go great. Um, I, I hope our, our men. Um, we've got Kyle Chalmers. He'll be our, he'll be our highlight, and he's racing Caleb Dressel. I can't wait for that test between those two guys. I can't wait for Ariane Titmus and. Katie Ledecky to swim to the women that is going to be incredible. Yeah. Emma McKeon has been like a oh. shining bolt yeah, the way going she's so going. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to write Kate Campbell's probably my favourite athlete swimming, you know, since Shane and Dawn. I mean, just love her. Yeah. You know, the way she performs. Uh, and Bronte, who I know, you know, she, she won, I was there when she won the Commonwealth Games. So the women look great. The yes. men, I, I, and Taylor McKean, the McEwen, the backstroker, I mean, she's doing times out of this world. Yes, she is. So um, they're going to be very, very strong. Um, the, um, you there? Sorry. Yeah, I'm still here. Yep. Uh, uh, my battery's low. Um, the men are 
Kyle and four by one. I don't know if they're going to handle it this year, but um, who knows? Uh, but I think Australia as a whole will go very, very well. Yeah. In the swimming, I don't know about the other sports, but our swimmers will, will go will go pretty good. You know, it'll, it'll uh, they look pretty good at the moment, and they look like they've got, they've, they've got their camp going. They've got the time. They're doing their heats at night. Then the finals in the morning. I mean, they've got everything pretty well sorted. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Can't wait to watch. Me too. <laughs> well, Neil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you and hearing all about your swimming journey. And hopefully when I get up to Sydney sometime in the future, I'll come and have a swim at icebergs with you. I'd love that. And, look, anyone who listens who wants to come up, they're most welcome. Yes. Right? Please make yourself Bondi icebergs. You must have it on your bucket list for a place to one of the great places to swim. And if you're there, please come and find me and I'll make you as welcome as I can. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Danielle. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye. There you go, Bob.